this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindus in focus podcast with me amit barua your host for this episode the bjp's victory in state assembly elections in uttar pradesh goa manipur and uttarakhand is both comprehensive and complete its dominance over north india's most populous and politically significant state has again been reemphasized the samajwadi party fought the good fight but it was no match for the bjp the bahujan samaj party cut a sorry figure in punjab the aam aadmi party a relatively fresh face in the state's politics won 4/5 of the seats making it the second state after delhi where aap now has a government whether the party is able to advance beyond these two states is a question being posed by analysts and ordinary people alike in goa manipur and uttarakhand the bjp managed to buck anti incumbency and return to power cutting the congress to size once again to discuss the implications of these elections i have with me jeel wanier who teaches political science at ashoka university welcome to in focus jeel my pleasure Jill, tell us uh, what are the say if I were to ask you the three main takeaways from these uh, five state assembly elections. Well, there are, as far as I see, there are you know three main stories. One is how the BJP consolidated its hold over the social coalition that it had built in 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 previous years. How it succeeded to maintain or even increase its vote share despite. these states having experienced you know the difficulties of covid and economic decline and unemployment and 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 so the multiplicity of factors you know that have helped the bjp to maintain or consolidate its position that's one story the second story obviously is punjab and uh the strong anti establishment vote that has uh, brought up to power in 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 such a spectacular way uh the role of the congress of course in in defeating itself by you know in fighting and spending their time you know you know dividing each dividing themselves and weakening themselves rather than fighting their opponents but the fact that nearly every figure of the political establishment uh, of punjab across political parties including a 10 time mla like prakash singh badal uh have been individually defeated tells you that there is more to punjab than um simply uh, an anti congress wave and the third story obviously has to do with the squandering of you know congress chances in states where uh it could have won or should have been more competitive uh, that is goa and and and, and uttarakhand and obviously uh the disappearance of congress in up despite having led you know a rather energetic campaign so these are the three main stories and please you know pick any one in any order if if you want to know more details yes you uh, let, let let's pick uttar pradesh so um, you write in the times of india today that you know the bjp has been defeated in recent elections by say the trinamool congress or dmk Uh, these are parties which have a larger regional identity grounded in language and culture these are your words which it can use to mobilize across social cleavages 
and you say that parties that have defeated the BJP in recent state elections have in common to mobilize broadly around an alternative collective form of identity. So essentially, you are arguing that the narrow, in a sense, casteist appeal to the Yadavs and perforce uh, the Muslims turning to the Samajwadi party because they don't see any other alternative, that is too limited a social base for the SP to actually beat the BJP uh, in any manner possible. No, that's right. So if we go a little bit back in time, uh, regional parties in northern India, in UP, but also Bihar, came to power in the 90s by uh, mobilizing segments of the electorate they find on, on, on caste and community lines and, and, and taking advantage of the fragmentation of the party system and of the electorate. Right. With the first past the post system, you could convert, you know, 29, 20, 30 percent of vote share into a single majority of seats. And so the model that these parties have followed is the model of, you know, minimal winning social coalition. What is the minimal number of groups that we need to put together in order to attain a, a certain winning threshold? But that only works when, when uh, the political landscape is, is fragmented, right? And, and remember that, you know, in the late, from the late 90s onwards, the Congress, of course, had declined earlier, but the BJP was on the decline in, in UP. And so both the BSP and the SP came to power building, my, building majorities by mobilizing narrow segments of the uh, electorate. But with the emergence of the BJP as a dominant cleavage-cutting party, uh, this model doesn't work anymore. And so the idea that in order to win an election, you need to you know, broaden your base obviously is not a, a new idea. And, and both SP and BSP did that in the past by adding, you know, fragment of additional votes to their core support base in the past. And the way you would do that was by nominating, you know, candidates um, from, you know, a certain caste group. That's the micro-targeting of caste at the constituency level. But the idea was, say, for the BSP uh, could bank on, say, 20% of Dalit vote, they needed to find, you know, 15 other percent and the candidates would basically be in charge of bringing that to the party at the seat level. But there's a limit how far you can go. And that game of that type of electoral politics had also the effect of excluding the many voters who do not belong to groups that are demographically uh, important or too poor or too geographically dispersed. And the BJP rose precisely banking on the resentment accumulated across this vast, diverse fragmented electorate and has succeeded in recent elections in uh, gathering their support. And so in order to win or in order to defeat the BJP or in order to challenge seriously the BJP, you need not necessarily play the electoral game in its own term, but you need a, a, a broad appeal. And if you look at recent state elections, obviously including Tamil Nadu and, 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 and West Bengal, the parties that have succeeded in defeating uh, the BJP are parties that have broad cross-caste appeal or cross-community appeal. Uh, the DMK has it. And the regional identity that you're talking about. Exactly. Whether it's related to language or to culture or, you know, the politics of the state. Exactly. So obviously there is also the politics of welfareism and what these parties do when they are in power. All of that obviously matter a lot, right? Uh, redistribution and schemes. 
but uh, you need to, you know, you need to fight an election with with a narrative, with a story. And uh, the DMK had a Dravidian story. It was a fight for to preserve a certain idea of, you know, Dravidian civilization, to use their own words. The Trinamool also had a story. It was preserving also a Bengal model uh, from, you know, a perceived threat from a, a Hindi-speaking male outsider, right? And and so you, you need to strike voters' imagination by offering something more than promises and themes and policies, and which, again, do matter, but uh, you, you need to do something more to strike voters' imagination across uh, social groups. And that is something that SP nor the BSP uh, have been able uh, to do. Because what the SP basically offered is uh, a catalog of policy promises on electricity, on water, on pension, on this and that, added to the usual kind of cost combination. Right? And that proved to be insufficient. Would you also say that, uh, you know, we heard the 80-20 remark uh, from Chief Minister Yogi Adityanath. Uh, we saw a number of comments which especially came out on social media, rank communal comments uh, from some of the BJP candidates, uh, a couple of which were taken notice of by the Election Commission also. So would you also say that in this broad consolidation, the BJP has actually managed to carve for itself, a Hindu vote. It's not as simple as that, but of course there is a strong element of that. What I mean that if you look at, so I was talking about you know broad narr- cross-cutting narratives. What is the BJP's narrative? It's a mixture of several elements. You have strongman politics, the idea of decisive leadership, uh, which is basically a corollary of you know hyper centralization of power the providential, benevolent, strong leader. You have uh, welfareism, or if you want to call it uh, welfare populism or just or simply welfareism, uh, you know, both can, both can work. The Labarti. The Labarti narrative, exactly. So we cannot do much about the economy or unemployment, but uh, we will use all the public resources that we can to... Uh, compensate for the for the adverse effects of you know economic woes and the third aspect of course is hindutva right the fir- the third aspect is obviously uh, hindu majoritarianism the idea that the public sphere belongs to the hindu majority and whenever bjp politicians have been asked that question there are a few journalists who still ask that question you know what about you know minorities the answer is always the same we don't discriminate uh, muslims against muslims you know in the redistribution of public goods right they have access to welfare like anyone else but then that's where it stops right the corollary of that is their complete exclusion from participation in in the public sphere uh, through representation, uh, notably. And the BJP doesn't even have to say a lot about it, even though uh, this campaign had a large number of uh, uh, you know uh, hate speech and provocative content and communal remarks. But the simple fact that the BJP systematically excludes Muslims from its candidates is sig- it's a signal strong enough to um, send that signal uh, to, to, to voters that uh, this is about building a country for Hindus, in which, again, uh, Muslims may 
figure among the Labatis, uh, but just about that. Right. So the point I was making when you talk about this broad social base and, you know, the BJP has increased its vote share. But at, at a level, when you actually go to the polling booths, there are large sections of people who might ignore, say, corona deaths uh, or the issue of runaway uh, cattle or uh, the farmers' agitation deaths, whatever. I mean, whatever are the issues. And this category of people go and vote for the BJP simply because they belong to the same religion. I think that is something uh, which is relatively new in Indian politics, and the BJP has been quite successful at that. It's not an entirely new idea, but there was a time where it would be one of the forces driving politics, uh, and there would be counterforces. And Mandal was a strong counterforces. Remember, you know, social scientists and myself included, used to see caste mobilization as an antidote to Hindu mobilization. That's no longer the case. That's no longer the case. What the BJP has succeeded in doing is to basically merge those registers by uh, beating regional parties at their own game, by using caste and playing the caste card in, in a way that became compatible with the, the, the promotion of an overall overarching Hindu identity. So there is one question or one debate that is agitating a lot of people these days is, I mean, does it mean the demise of caste as a relevant variable in Indian politics? The answer is not at all, because in order to build cross-caste coalition, you need to go through caste to do that, right? So you still need to micro-target groups, you still need to distribute tickets across caste, you still need to project a certain image of caste inclusiveness that also produces uh, exclusion. So uh, I've been looking at the uh, Axis My India exit poll for UP, and they provide community-wise vote share. And what it shows, it's a vote that is deeply polarized. If we go by their numbers, and, and I think we should take these numbers as indicative rather than you know established facts, but good enough indication, it shows that Muslims and Yadavs have voted massively for the Samajwadi party, that upper caste have voted massively for the, the BJP, and that non-Yadav OBCs have uh, massively voted also, though not to the same extent as upper caste, uh, for uh, the BJP. And, and Jats are sort of split between BJP and SP. And if you look at the BSP, just to complete the picture, it retains its core support base among Jatav, uh, and it has lost support from literally everyone else. And these Dalits have gone to the BJP. What does the uh, what does the exit poll suggest? The non-Jatav Dalits. In the non-Jatav Dalit as a majority has gone to uh, the BJP. Some of them were already voting for the BJP, had already been voting for the BJP in previous election. And uh, the Samajwadi Party has roughly a quarter of that that vote. So now we need to be careful because these are not groups that, I mean, with the exception of, you know, Muslim, Yadav, and, and, and Jatav Dalit, these are not groups that necessarily vote, trans, you know, transversely as one group, right? Uh, among the Kurmis or other OBCs voting for the BJP, you will find a lot of individuals voting for the BJP for different reasons, and they will state different reasons why they choose to, to vote for uh, the BJP, for instance, right? So we should not discard, you know, the, 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 the heterogeneity that exists. 
But uh, the overall picture, when you put all this together, is that you have a very polarized, uh, intensely polarized um, electorate, um, which is something that we've seen uh, very clearly on religious lines uh, also in uh, Assam, right? Hindus versus Muslims. And, um, and so... In order to build cross-caste coalition, by definition, you still need caste. And the BJP has become extremely skillful at putting together, you know, those, you know, social coalitions, uh, including allies, uh, showcasing, you know, caste leaders, uh, making, you know, direct caste appeals, uh, while at the same time saying that this is just for electoral politics, but when it comes to for governance, we give benefits, you know, to all. Right. I'm going to ask you one last question about Uttar Pradesh because we have so many other states to cover as well. Yes. What is the future of the Bahujan Samaj Party now, Jeev? So first of all, it's very hard to make death pronouncement about political parties <laughs> in India. I think that's a general sanity rule that we should all keep. I mean, one question that no one is asking is how is the BSP retaining the Jatavro to that extent, right? Uh, why aren't they, you know, trying their luck, you know, elsewhere? And so there is something that the BSP still represent for a, a, an important, you know, segment uh, of the uh, electorate. It has lost, obviously, uh, a lot of vote share. Um, it's, it's practically down to its 1993 level, which is practically, you know, when it started, uh, more or less. Um, and, and it's down to one seat. And so, obviously, uh, this is a party that is in a deep crisis because the one thing it can still do is retain its um, core uh, support group. But the BSP has completely lost the ability uh, of adding others' votes to um, that base. The formula that brought it uh, to power uh, now, on uh, that brought Maiwati to the chief minister position on four occasions, uh, actually now works against it, against the, against the party. And so that requires a complete reinvention of, um, you know, uh, what the BSP is as, as, as a party and, and whether it's capable of doing that or not is, is really an open question. It's a very peculiar party also. It's completely centralized. It has a very peculiar leader who lives, you know, in relative isolation, who's quite disconnected, uh, even though she does she still has, you know, iconic appeal uh, among her, you know, core supporters. And so whether she will be able to uh, engineer or, 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 or bring that transformation is, is an open question. I, I'm not too hopeful <coughs> about that because what we've seen in UP over the recent years is a growing rejection of conventional you know, politics among young Dalits who have been very active uh, in in localized social movements, in online mobilization, the Bhim Army, other movements um, as well. And so my sense is that among younger generations of Dalits, uh, there will be a growing disaffection of, you know, the old model of Dalit politics that the BSP represent. Right. 
I'm going to uh, return to this issue of, uh, you know, death politics and political parties dying when I ask you about the Congress. But before I do that, I'm going to ask you about the Ahmadmi Party and its absolutely stunning success in Punjab. That success, uh, the AAP believed should have come to it last time. But with Bhagwant Man as his chief ministerial face, they have done fantastically. And as you said in your introductory remarks, it's not, it's an anti-establishment vote in a sense, because it has cleaned out so many pillars of uh, Punjab politics uh, as we know them to be. So so what does this vote mean for Aam Admi Party? What, what does it signify? Well, it means a lot, obviously. It's the most significant performance of AAP since its first Delhi victory. It's, it's far more significant than its second Delhi victory, for that matter. This is the proof that Amadmi can conquer an important state outside uh, Delhi. Of course, we can spend time talking about how and why Punjab is, you know, different and unique and, and, and how it might be difficult for AAP to replicate that model, you know, elsewhere. But non- nonetheless, Conquering a new state in, in such a decisive way in such a short time is is relatively unique. I can't really think of other examples. I mean, even Jagan Reddy very quickly came in power in, in Andhra Pradesh, but he inherited his party, right? It's the old Congress in a way. It's a branch of the old, uh, of the old Congress that he basically revamped and reorganized and reinvented. And he came from a political family. And he came from a political family, exactly. So AAP really started from the ground as a completely new political force. And now they're making the demonstration that uh, they can, you know, uh, more than compete, they can actually win and win big in other states than, than, than Delhi. If you look at the data, I mean, it tells you that, you know, a part of that victory has to do with circumstances. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> the self-destruction of the Congress party, uh, the fact that participation actually was quite low for Punjab standards. It was down by, I think, 5 or 6%, which tells you that Ab's victory is not necessarily, you know, the result of an upsurge of participation, right, or upsurge of popular support. There was massive swings, obviously. They increased their vote share massively. But you did not see, you know, scores of new voters running to the booth to, you know, support Ahmadmi Party. So, I mean, it's, it's just a small nuance that one can, that one can, can, can bring. And so, obviously, there, there, there are elements of circumstances. But at the same time, there is no doubt that Ahmadmi Party, in a way, falls under this uh, broad appeal category of party that I was uh, talking about earlier. So obviously, their model of broad appeal is not grounded in regional identities, right? So in that sense, they're very different from, say, a party like the Shiv Sena, for instance, which is a one-state yes. party. But their uh, AAP has always, uh, on anti-corruption, the agenda has been very national, quote-unquote. Yes, even though the Shiv Sena has greatly increased its appeal by uh, toning it down on the Marathi Manush rhetoric. Yes. Right. The Shiv Sena today is very different from the Shiv Sena, what it was. And so that's also a good example of uh, a party that succeeded in transforming itself. So AAP obviously did not transform itself. It invented itself, uh, which I mean, it's a bit different. But um, they do offer uh, um, uh, uh, an appeal that is broad, that cuts across, across groups, that cuts, that cuts across class and caste. 
but which is grounded in uh, their idea of doing politics, right? Uh, keep identity at bay, keep focus on delivery, focus on governance. It, it's a rather, you know, um, you know, a technocratic approach uh, to uh, politics, uh, a form of, you know, an apolitical approach, uh, at least in name, um, that, you know, is appealing to those who strongly reject the traditional political class um, at large. And so AAP has the potential of uh, growing and expanding in states where you find large chunks of voters who are ready to uh, not only punish X or Y part or, or desert or punish X or Y partner, but punish or desert their state's political class in 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 general. So it's interesting that AAP should win two seats in 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 in, in Goa. Goa is quite a different state. Uh, actually, this is perhaps the one state where the candidates you know matter enormously. Their personality, their local network. Um, the, the the local business network, uh, so it makes it you know tough for up you know to 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 end more difficult to for up to enter you know uh, the the Goa scene compared to 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 Punjab. But uh, what we will see, I anticipate, is the up uh, trying to enter uh, other states by banking on this uh, rejection of conventional politics. How will it fare, say, in a state like Gujarat, in your view, where the BJP is a predominant force and the Congress really has been able to make uh, no impact in successive elections? Yeah, so Gujarat will be interesting because AAP has already made a, a few inroads by participating and getting some results, modest results, but some results nonetheless in municipal elections. But the model of expansion of AAP is also growing at the expense of Congress without necessarily confronting the BJP head on. My sense is that the AAP will try to consolidate itself uh, with by avoiding a direct clash or contest with the BJP. Uh, because the BJP also makes similar claims about delivery and governance, and um, and we can spend you know hours and hours debating their 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 comparative merits you know of their claims, but uh, in a way um, uh, they they have you know uh, some 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 commonalities, and so AP will try to go after pockets and areas where Congress is weak or can be weakened. But in the case of Gujarat, AAP will have great difficulties getting into rural seats and, and the urban parts of Gujarat have been, you know, for a very long time dominated by the BJP. So I don't quite see yet how AAP will manage to make inroads into Gujarat politics while avoiding taking on the BJP uh, directly. Maybe it will. And, and, and maybe, you know, for all we know, uh, it might work because a lot of people in Gujarat may be tired of, you know, living under a BJP regime, you know, for young voters for all their lives, practically. And so and so who knows, right? Uh, the voters keep uh, the capacity of, you know, surprising uh, experts and pundits and, and parties themselves. But Gujarat will certainly be uh, an interesting test. OK, last question uh, or last theme. Is, is the Congress party over? I mean, once again, I, I hesitate to... Uh, As you said about the BSP, with that health warning. 
Yeah, exactly. I'm, 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 I'm reluctant to, you know, issue debt certificates for political parties. But I mean, there's a, there's a deep sense of déjà vu. But you can say, you can say, if a patient is in coma, you can issue a certificate to say the patient is in coma. Fair enough. There is a sense of deep, there's a deep sense of déjà vu, you know, with the Congress. We've seen them squandered opportunities in the past. We've seen them using a UP election as a as as a ground for you know experimenting new ideas in that you know for renewal of the party or the rebuilding of the organization i mean i've been following UP elections for well almost 20 years and and i've heard the congress saying that in UP for for 20 years and uh and, and the results are you know are there are there are there are there to see um in almost any other political organization, this kind of self-inflicted defeat um, would be uh, followed by internal revolt. And um, the lethargy that has struck the Congress party actually not only affects you know, the leadership, but also those who might be in a position to organize such revolt. And so my sense is that at least in the predictable future, the Congress will keep eroding, right? It will keep losing people on the ground. In UP, it's lost its workers. It's lost a few, the, the few remaining figures, people like Imran Masood, people like RPN Singh, uh, or Rita Bahoguna Joshi a few years ago. I mean, the, the last few remaining Congress figures in UP, uh, Aditi Singh in, 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 in MIT, they've all shifted to other parties, BJP or else, right? In Goa, a quarter of the BJP candidates were Congress MLAs or ex-MLAs, right? Uh, and so, and um, in, in, in Manipur, um, also the BJP ran a number of ex-Congress people. And so my sense is that we're going to see that erosion because quite frankly, what are the incentives for professional or aspiring professional politicians, you know, within the Congress to stay with the Congress? Of course, they will tell you it's what the Congress stands for, it's the idea, it's the ideology, it's the legacy and the past. But if they have to weigh that against their own career prospects, uh, it's not a very, you know, it's not going to be a tough choice for, for many of them. And so that doesn't bode well for the, part, for the Congress at all. Uh, we will see uh, next year actually is again another cycle of elections where Congress and BJP will be, you know, uh, confronted to one another. Uh, in 2018, the Congress actually surprised everyone by uh, winning uh, major states in the Hindi belt. Uh, but as we saw, uh, they could not retain uh, all of these states. They, they famously lost, uh, well, they lost Karnataka in the south, but they lost uh, Madhya Pradesh. And that did not translate into any advantage uh, when uh, the uh, Lok Sabha elections came in you know, six months later. And so uh, these elections really portents dire, dire signal for uh, the Congress party. And uh, quite frankly, we have we having the same conversation after every election. Can it revive itself? Can it reorganize itself? Can the leadership change? And you know, more than two data entries, you know, make a trend, right? More, more, if you have more than two data points, you know, you you have you have a trend. And and in the answer so far has been a, a resounding no.
Right. Jilzonia, thank you so much for talking to the Hindus in Focus podcast. My pleasure. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.